Praise God. Father, we thank you. Wonderful time of worship and praise. We thank you for the opportunity. I pray, God, that you would touch this sermon this morning. It's heartfelt. I believe it's from heaven. And I believe it's for your people, your children. And I pray, God, that you would anoint me to deliver your message, Lord God, from your heart through my lips to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments. Overwhelmed with tears. I want you to think about that title. Overwhelmed with tears. Life is not without tribulation, fiery trials and afflictions. A great deal of emotion is experienced and expressed during the times of being overwhelmed. I looked in the Word of God and I saw our predecessors, our patriarchs, in the Bible, share their emotions, especially in times of their great distress. Their souls were bursting with pain and they learned to express those emotions to God. They allowed themselves to cry and to cry out to God through the ministry of tears. I looked at Psalm 102. It's a prayer of the afflicted. When he's overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord, the psalmist says these words, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I'm in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call, answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned as in hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass, so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. What emotion. What pain. We sometimes look at the patriarchs of the Bible as infallible beings. But they were flesh and blood just like you and I. They hurt, they cried, they were in distress, they were in pain. And they learned to express that pain to God. What does the word overwhelmed mean? In the Hebrew it means to turn aside in order to cover. In layman's terms it means this, to put the sheet over your head and tell the world to go away. That's what it means to be overwhelmed. To envelop oneself. To be feeble and to be faint and to grow weary. Being overwhelmed. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 124 and verse 4, he said, Then the waters had overwhelmed us, and the stream had gone over our soul. That's a simple verse, but what does it mean? He was saying this, the waters overflowed, they engulfed me. But not only that, it means to be scoured and rinsed out like a dry dish rag. Squeezed to the point, to the brink. Overwhelmed means to wash away and drown, to be swept away, to be rinsed away by the flood. The psalmist said the waters had overwhelmed us. And the stream, what's the stream here? It's the flood. It's the deluge. It's that current of water, so to speak, that comes into our life that makes things unsure, that makes things uncertain, that makes things unconvinced in our life. Will God come through? That causes us to question and hesitate. It makes us suspicious sometimes when the waters overflow us and the flood comes and it makes us even doubtful. That's right. Some people say, well, we're Christians. So are the patriarchs in the Bible. That's right. Some ask God to kill them. Some ask God and say, I can't go on another step. I'm talking about great men and women of God, my friend. Where does that leave you and I? I'm talking about Bible characters who stood tall with God. But in their moment of trial and tribulation, in the moment of their flood, they were crushed. They were overwhelmed. It says, the psalmist said, the waters had overwhelmed us and the stream has gone over our soul. You know what that means? It's passed right through me. And it's alienated me from life. It's alienating me from people. I'm the pelican. I'm the owl. I'm the one in isolation. That's what he's saying. <clears throat> I've been carried away. I've been taken away. I've been marched over and overflowed with the flood of my life. I'm vanishing. I'm fading from myself, from others, and sometimes from God. The psalmist was saying, I've become invalid. Just like the prophets said to God, who am I? I can't talk. I can't speak. I grow figs, and why are you calling me to be a prophet? Why, Lord? I'm weak, I'm feeble. Gideon, when God spoke to him and said, thou Mighty man of valor, he turned around and he said, I'm sure you're not speaking to me. The psalmist said in Psalm 142 and 4, he says, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then thou knewest my path. And the way wherein I walked, have they privily laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand, and behold, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me, and no man cared for my soul. You know what this is? This is isolation, this is rejection, and this is abandonment. In the worst time of a person's life, through a great tribulation and fiery trial, we have to understand the heart of a person that's overwhelmed. We have to be caring and sensitive to the issues in other people's lives. We can be a difference maker in Christ 
And sometimes the difference is between life and death. We have the power within us to change through Christ the destiny of another human being. Sometimes when you see a person overwhelmed, you don't know how overwhelmed they are. You don't know how isolated they may be. You don't know how rejected they may feel in that moment. You just don't know. Because many times people don't express their pain. We hold it in. Because we've been taught when we were young, especially men, that we're not supposed to cry because we're tough guys. We're not. I'll look at some of the greatest men in the Bible that were strong. I look at Jesus, the carpenter's son, who walked the highways and the byways of life. He was no puny character. He, he was no weakling. But yet at the tomb of his close friend Lazarus, he broke down before many people and before God and Lazarus' sisters, and they said Jesus wept. He wept in the garden. He cried out to his father. Where does that leave you and I? Should we stuff it? Should we keep it in? No. We must find a vehicle. We must find a place. We must find an altar, whether it's in our home or in a church. We must find a friend that will listen. We must sit down with someone and share our hearts in confidence and say, I'm trusting you. And when you give your heart to someone on a platter, when you give your emotions, it's confidential and it stays where it's supposed to stay. It's not a matter of gossip. It's not a matter of carrying up to other people. Because what you're dealing with is the personality of a human being that sometimes is so frail and sometimes so much on the ledge that if you break that confidence, that could cause that person to mistrust not only you, but themselves and do something that's not healthy. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. We might say, Lord, why? Why are afflictions numerous? Why are they abundant? Why are they exceedingly? Why? And what is an affliction, Lord? It's evil and wickedness that comes against us to give us pain and unhappiness and misery. It's the mischief of the enemy. It's the hurtful schemes of the enemy to try to inflict pain. It's the trouble that he brings. It's the adversity that's displeasing to our soul. Sometimes it's worse than worse. Sometimes we categorize it as a calamity. An injury, a wrong. And we walk around in circles sometimes and we say, why? Lord, why are many of the afflictions? Why are the righteous, those who are justified and vindicated by God through the blood of Jesus Christ, those that love the Lord God, Jehovah, why am I experiencing this, God? Sometimes we can't see the last part of that verse. But the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Let me show you the vicious fight that you're in for your soul. And if you don't hear anything that I say in this sermon from this moment on, I want you to really understand 
the wisdom that God is showing us this morning in this verse. When the psalmist wrote that he delivers him out of them all, it means to deliver, obviously, and to recover. It means to escape and to rescue. But it also means to spoil and take out and snatch away you from the enemy. Listen very carefully. The enemy comes to strip and plunder. The enemy is a vicious spirit that comes against God's people. And this phrase means to tear oneself away. God is in a battle with the enemy who's trying to envelop you and discourage you to the point where you say there's no way out, there's no solution. And God wants to snatch you because you're in a fight, you're in the grip. He's a roaring lion, he's not playing games. And God comes and he says, I know you're in affliction. It's part of humanity. It's part of the walk, it's part of the journey. But I also understand the war that you're in right now. And here's the problem. A lot of people don't understand the war that other people are in emotionally. They don't get it. We give people silly phrases. We tell people it's going to be all right, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes the child dies. Sometimes the husband never comes around. Sometimes the addict never recovers. And we give cliches because we don't give the wisdom and knowledge from God as he speaks to us. And we try to come up with something. And there's nothing really to come up with until God speaks to your heart. It's like going to a wake. And someone very loved and beloved is in a casket. What can you possibly say to another human being that has just suffered a great loss other than, I'm sorry? There's no other words to speak at that moment. I'm sorry. I'm here if you need me. But they can't even comprehend that at that moment. Because they're in such a fog and such an emotional upheaval and turmoil. They don't even remember that you came to the wake and spoke to them. When we give advice to people and wisdom to people, let it come from God. Because when it comes from above, it will envelop that person to make them believe and have hope that God will deliver. This is a vicious warfare that we're in. That God has to come and snatch us. That God has to come and plunder the enemy. It's a battle. And if you look in the Garden of Gethsemane, you see the battle that the Lord went through before going to the cross. If you look at the times of 40 days of fasting, the battle that he went through before the enemy. Even the beasts of the field were coming against him. That God had to send angels to help him recover. The Bible says in Psalm 143 and 4, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me, and my heart within me is desolate. Here's a different meaning here. The word spirit means my emotions 
And sometimes my emotions translate into anger. Sometimes we can't understand people who are so overwhelmed when they get angry. And we look at them and we say, what's your problem? You don't understand their problem. I may not understand their problem. Because there's such a range of emotions when the psalmist said, therefore is my spirit. What that person is saying is this, the breath of air has left my life. There's no wind behind my back. My mind, my courage, my vigor has come to a standstill. And my patience is not even a reality. Because I've become a very impatient person when my spirit is overwhelmed. I'm animated. That's what it means. I'm all over. I'm restless. I'm like someone walking down the road, an alleyway, not knowing where the exit is. And sometimes my disposition is of such various kinds that I'm unaccountable and I'm uncontrollable because of what I say and what I do. My city has been breached. My heart has been broken. And my soul has been rended. And I don't know how to get out of this. And sometimes my temper rises up. Not because I don't love you. It's because at this moment I'm beside myself. Help me find who I am. That's the plea of a person overwhelmed. Help me find where I can go and how I can get there. Help me, please. Take me by the hand. Hold me. Hug me. Love me. I don't want to be the pelican. I don't want to be the owl. I don't want to be the person isolated, abandoned, and rejected. Don't give up on me. My spirit is overwhelmed. And this word overwhelmed is different. It means a shroud. Like you're clothed in a cloak. It comes from the idea of darkness. It comes from the idea of being weak and deteriorated, to be wasted away, to be covered up. It's almost like a disease emotionally on the inside that's eating you away. And you begin to vanish and fade and faint and become feeble and hide yourself. Because you don't want to see others at your moment of weakness. You don't want to be transparent. And so we learn to play the game and put on the mask. And when someone tells us, how are you? We say, good. It's not good. It can't always be good in our lives. There comes a crushing of the olives and the crushing of the grapes. Everyone has to go through the Garden of Gethsemane at least once in their life. And it's painful. The Bible says, therefore, is my spirit overwhelmed? I'm deteriorating, God. Don't you see? Within me, my heart within me is desolate. My inner man, my mind, my will, my determination, my conscience, my my seat of emotions and passions. My seat of courage, I have no courage right now to even step out. There are some people that have lost their courage to even come out of their room. Because my heart within me is desolate. I've been stunned, God. 
I've been awestruck by the enemy. And it's causing a horror in my life and I feel deserted. I feel like I'm in ruins. I feel devastated. I feel like I've been ravaged. I feel like... I feel like... There's no way out of this dilemma. And Lord, I'm losing my breath. Praise the Lord. Psalm 61, 2. Psalm 61, 2. From the end of the earth will I cry When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Help me, church, pray. The enemy does not want this to go forth. Praise God. Can someone get me a microphone, please? From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm under a rock. I'm under a rock. From the end of the earth, which means down to my final gasp. Down to my final gasp. I'm struggling so hard, God, that from the end of the earth, my final gasp, I'm under this rock, do I cry? And God, I'm accosting you, which means I'm stalking you right now. I'm coming for you, God, because there's no other exit here. There's no other way here. And I'm coming for you. Call it accosting. Call it stalking. But I'm going to run towards you until you stretch out your hand toward me. Because I am so overwhelmed and so feeble and so faint that I'm taking my last gasp of breath. Breathe into me, God. Breathe into me. Lead me and guide me to where? To the rock that is higher than I am. Under the rock. Lead me higher. Give me your strength and your beauty. Confine me in your safe place. Cramp me. Secure me and shut me in. Besiege me. Show hostility to my adversary. For he's my foe. Help me to rise up once again. Oh, the pain of the afflicted. The pain of the depressed. The pain of those that are disillusioned. How can I possibly get out of this, God? It's overwhelming. If you don't think this is real, my friend, read the word of God. The prophet sent under a tree and said, God, kill me. Moses said, I can't go another step. We grow tired and we grow weary. And we act like we're so strong. 
And we act like we're so spiritual, like we've got the answer and we've, we've got this together. All of us will come to our lowest moments. Trust me. Whether it's a marriage issue, a child issue, a financial issue, a health issue, we'll all come to the lowest place of life and we will feel like the rock is on top. So what do I do? How do I handle it? Well, the psalmist gave us a clue. In Psalm 77 and 3, he says, I remembered God. Never forget. And he says, I was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. I remembered God. Not the cutesy sayings. Not the meaningless invitations of counsel I remembered God I called him to mind I called him to memory and I began to think about his record in my life never forget the one that is able to uphold us especially at our most trying moments he said I was troubled yes God I'm murmuring that's what it means. I'm growling. That's what it means. I'm roaring right now. I'm crying aloud and I'm mourning like an awake somewhere. Like it's my own funeral and I'm in rage and I'm making a noise. It's a tumult. It's an explosion because I've become disquieted in my soul. Hear me. I can't live this way. God, I'm so moved, I'm in commotion. I'm so moved that I become boisterous at times. I'm, I'm so turbulent, I'm in an uproar. I have such a wide range of emotions, oh God. I, I, I can't even figure out who I am at some given moment. And yes, I've complained. Yes, I have. I have complained and I've declared to you to consider I've put my thoughts before you forgive me but this has stretched me like a rubber band ready to break this has taken me to places God that I never dreamed I would go to emotionally because my spirit look what he says he said, and my spirit was overwhelmed. My emotions, my anger, the breath of air has gone from me. People get on my nerves. I'm impatient. I don't want to be this way. Don't give me counsel that you don't know what you're talking about because you don't know how I feel. And don't tell me you do because you don't. I don't need Job's comforters at this moment. Sometimes a person just needs to be held. Sometimes a person just needs to be loved. Sometimes a person just needs to be listened to. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk too much. I said we talk too much. 
we're ready to rebuttal with some words and the person hasn't even finished what they're saying because we're not really comprehending their heart. I'm overwhelmed, which means I've been turned upside down. Have you ever been there, my friend? Have you ever had this array of emotions in your life that you thought, this is the knockout punch? I looked in the word of God for comfort for myself, for the church that I pastor, its people. I looked in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. I found out that I'm kept by God even through these storms. Amen. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Look in verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now this is a bridge to cross that's not that easy. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Sometimes, it's hard to cross that bridge of rejoicing when you're so down and out. Sometimes it's so hard and it's so easy to get into self-condemnation when you're not jumping for joy concerning the trial and affliction you're experiencing. And you find yourself really crying out to God and being angry, not at him, but at the situation. Don't condemn yourself. It's a process. We all can't just jump up out of a great trial being under a rock and wear an elf hat with bells and shoes that are going to ring. It's a process. And it's a process through the church. To help one another, to bear one another's burdens. To envelop one another in Christ and to love one another. Because that's the great commandment, to love God and to love your brothers and sisters. What does it mean to be kept? This is what God says I'll do. I'll keep you with a garrison. I'll guard you. I'll protect you like a military guard either to prevent hostile invasion or to keep the inhabitants of a besieged city from flight. I'll watch over you. I'll guard you. I will preserve you even through this situation. I will preserve you. That's what it means to be kept by God. And I know, my friends, from experience and from my own personal life, that sometimes it looks rather bleak and rather dark. 
But if you look back on your life and you remember God, I remembered God, you'll find out that you were under a rock somewhere in the past. You'll find out that you were so desolate in the past. You'll find out you were in such a wilderness in the past. But you sit here today and praise God. And you praise God here this morning because God brought you through. Because He brought you to a rock that's higher than yourself. There will be trouble. Psalm 57.1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me. For my soul trusteth in thee, yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed. It's going to be trouble. It's life. It's humanity. It's a war against evil. We're seeing that in our country right now. It's good versus bad. It's, it's evil versus righteous. It's lies versus truth. And men would scheme and try to plunder a country with lies and try to destroy a democracy that has worked for hundreds of years and get on television and lie. Or a video from the past where you said this, but now you're saying this. Who are you, sir? Who are you, ma'am? Can you tell me who you are? Other than being of a, of a lying, devilish spirit. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. You say, should we expect it? Yes. Yes. That's the beauty of Christ and the beauty of His church. That when one of us has been deluged by the enemy. Others can stand in the gap and say, we're not letting you go. We understand depression. We understand discouragement. We understand disappointment. We understand failure. We understand that we've all been there. But we're going to hold on as long as you allow us to. doesn't have to be no big conversation. Sometimes you just have to let someone know you care. There'll be storms. Isaiah the prophet said it in Isaiah 25 and 4. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Jesus told us in Matthew 7, 24, he said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. But look what happens. Look what happens to the wise man. Look what happens to the righteous. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Amen. We're going to get beat on. The wind's going to come. The rain's going to come. The flood's going to come. Because you're in a fight. You're in a fight for your soul. You're in a fight for your home. You're in a fight for your job. You're in a fight for your marriage. You're in a fight for your kids. You're in a fight. And when one of us gets weak, the strong must intervene. We must bear the infirmities of the weak and understand the loneliness of people sometimes. You can be in a whole house of people and still be lonely. You can be alone and be lonely. 
You can sit at a table with people in your family and feel a spirit of loneliness that we never share because we're ashamed, because we interpret it as being weak. Oh no, my friend. Great men and women of, the God, of God came before him and said, no pretense here. Man, Lord, no pretense. I want you to look at a verse with me that I found fascinating. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 16. He says, and I have put my words in thy mouth, God speaking, and I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand. Let me stop there. Where do you go to escape the sunshine and the heat? Shade. You go in the shade and the shadow, don't you? And the shadow overwhelms you and overshadows you from the sun and from the heat. Here's what God's saying. He's saying, I'll be your protection. But not only that, listen very carefully. The shadow here is symbolic of the transitional phases of our lives. I'll explain. This word shadow means through the idea of hovering over. Like the shade hovers over you to block out the sun. God says, whether you understand it or not, I'm hovering over you. And he's saying, no matter where you are in life, because life is seasons. Amen. You're conceived, you grow, you become an infant, a pre-adolescent, and so on. You know the stages of life. The stages of life in marriage, the stages of life in, in a men and women's lives. At 20 years old, and 30, and 40, and 50, and so on, things change, desires change, motives change. But here's what God promises. Through every transition, I'll be your shade. Because look what he says here. He says, I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand. That's a big hand. Amen. I said, that's a big hand. I'll cover you. Don't worry about it. What's God saying? He said, I'll keep you under the shadow of my wings. He said to the people in Jerusalem in Matthew 23, 37, he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. We cannot deny God. We cannot deny God. We can't. He wants to bring us in under his wings. We're his brood. We're his children. We can't run. They rejected him. He outstretched his arms toward Jerusalem. And he said, children, come unto me. Men and women, come unto me. I'm going to the cross to die for you. He wooed them. He pleaded with them. He cried unto them. But the Bible says, and you would not. You don't need help, Jerusalem. You don't need help, people. You're going to need help because in a few years, in AD 70, you will be ravaged by the army and not one stone will be standing. Your babies will be killed. Your men and women will be raped. There'll be such horror and terror and bloodshed. You would have wished that you come.
unto me under my wings. He's our everlasting companion. He said in Genesis 28 and 15, And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again unto this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. What's he saying? I see you under the rock. I see you in your home. I see you in your bed. I see your terror. And I see your tears. I see your isolation. I see your abandonment. And I understand what the psalmist said in Psalm 102. You are the pelican right now. You are the owl. You are the isolated one. But you're not alone. Though all men might forsake you, though your mother and father might give up on you, whether the one that you love cares no more for you, I will be your father. I will be your mother. I will be your God. Because I'm sleepless. He said in Psalm 121 and 4, Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall not slumber or sleep. I'm aware. I'm on the scene. Some things we just have to experience for God to help us to become better and not bitter. He's our protecting Father who will keep us. He said in John 17, 11, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. He's talking to his Father. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. Keep them, Lord. Hold on to them. Put them in the palm of your hand, Father. Just as I'm in the palm of your hand going to the cross. Just like I'm in the palm of your hand for three days and three nights in darkness in a tomb. Dead. I believe that your wind will come once again to my life in that tomb and will awaken me. I believe the wind of God wants to come to us not just one more time, because there's going to be many afflictions of the righteous. He wants to breathe that breath back into our life. He's the Almighty in your life, Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believe and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. No enemy. No, no, no. You might have your play now, but it won't last. You may have your play now, but it will cease. Because my God is always on time. Let me close. In Acts chapter 27, Paul was on a boat that God destined him for. And the seas were raging. And Paul had been on a fast. And he told the captain of that ship that no man will die. He was acting in the place of a prophet. 
great man of God, remembered God and held on to God. He said in Acts 27 in verse 43, but the centurion, the military man in charge, willing to save Paul on that boat, kept them from their purpose. Of course they would want to hurt Paul because they blamed him. And commanded, listen to what the centurion did, that they which could swim because the boat was being wrecked and was going to be destroyed. That they which could swim cast themselves first into the sea and get to the land. And the rest, he said, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. I want to tell you something, my friend. Whatever trial and tribulation you're going through, whatever boat that you find yourself on, God might tell you to swim when the boat gets busted to pieces. He may tell you to grab onto a board, hallelujah, or a broken piece of that ship. But God says, I will get you to the land. Just hold on to whatever's in your hand. Praise God. He told Moses to hold on to the rod. Hallelujah. He told him to raise that rod. God's given us something in our hand. And it's called faith. And it's called power of God. And it's called determination and perseverance. Praise God. Allow God. Even when the boat is broken to pieces. Cast yourself before him. And he will rescue you and bring you to land once again. I want to remind you in closing that all the Jewish people crossed the Red Sea under Moses. And they crossed the Jordan into Canaan's land unto Joshua. A few verses. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said Unto Moses, from the wilderness in this great Lebanon, even the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then... Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. 
Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, pass through this host and command the people saying, prepare your victuals, take your lunch, put it in a brown bag, we're moving, praise God, hallelujah. For within three days you shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord God has given you to possess it. My friend, we might be under a rock, we might be in a boat that's been wrecked and destroyed, but praise God, swim, hold on to a boat, hold on to a piece, whatever God gives you, and say, God, I am going forward. Go thy way, hallelujah, is the message of the hour. Go thy way as God leads us and guides us on this journey through life. Praise God. God bless you and thank you for listening.